The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. You found Financial Food for Thought. You've got Mark Donnelly and Kara Waddell. So you think I'm a tough kid. I think I'm going to call today's show, Carrie, Abundance of Caution. So, because there's a lot of mixed signals. We talked a lot about mixed signals last year in the first and year, the year of the before. And <laughs> the year before, I was like... I think it's just the world we live in now. But we got some news on the J&J vaccine. Mm, yeah. So, so, so there you go. You know, I don't know. So I'm right in the middle of getting my second, you know, I'm waiting to get my second. I'm getting the Pfizer flavor, right? Okay. But the debt scared a lot of people, that J&J, and I think it's going to scare a lot of, uh, 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 you know, and so, but abundance of caution. So I can understand it. You know, they're, they're not saying that it's. Well, yeah, because the vaccines haven't gone through because it was an emergency, the normal working out the kinks. Mm. But it's interesting because J&J privately reached out, you know, to the other vaccine makers, you know, including um, Pfizer and Moderna. Right. Mm -hmm. And they wanted them to join an effort to kind of study this blood clot. Right. Um, You know, and try to talk like as one voice. Right. Right. Of safety. Well, Pfizer and Moderna declined. Hmm. Okay. Now, AstraZeneca. Ka-ching, ka-ching is what I'm thinking they're thinking. Well, well it Astra- gives us an opportunity. Well, AstraZeneca said they agreed to be part of the study, but they've also had issues with blood clots. Right. With their so apparently, Pfizer and Moderna and declining, you know, are, are it's they kind of think that, or people think that the what they're thinking is that their reputation is on the line. And, and the safety of their, uh, you know, vaccines could be tarnished by associating with these mm-hmm. vaccines that have got the blood clot issue. But, but I don't know. I is, is which is more important, the reputation of the drug company or the lives of, I, <laughs> of I the think world? Drug companies would guess for the reputation of the drug company because there's often things that they know. You know, I'm not going to get into that, but, you know, I think the pharmaceutical industry is big money. Wow. So I'm dedicating the song to uh, Andrew Yang, you know, leading candidatorial candidate for a New York City mayor. Oh, good Lord. The big UBI apple, it's going to be. That's, uh, makes me never want to visit. <laughs> All right. So, again... Are you following an abundance of caution in your financial planning? That's going to be my theme of the show. Mm-hmm. And that could mean, you know, because there's a lot of things going on. You know, that, you know, we, we, we still have, I mean, we had some great economic data this week, Carrie, right? Mm-hmm. The weekly jobless claims came in well below estimate, you know, dropped from that 700,000, even went below 600,000, you know, 576,000. 
that was you know a, a great uh, up you know surprise. Um, retail sales for March came in at nine point eight percent, almost ten percent. You know the expectations were about six point one. You know, and it's it's kind of what you know it's 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 kind of what we had thought, right? That you know February was way down, right? Because it was bad weather, and everybody ran out of their second round stimulus checks by February. But then March, we were expecting a, a, a surge, and it did happen. The weather got better, and everybody got their third round of their stimulus checks, right? So a lot of people weren't surprised, okay. Um, but, you know, housing sales surged, you know, 19.4%. The expectations, I think, was about 13%. So, so there's three good, you know, indicators saying, yeah, the Rona recovery is, you know, full steam ahead. But there's still a lot of people that are concerned, or should you be concerned, is, is the news too good? You know, is that the end of the good news? You know, um, I mean, don't look now, but, you know, doggy coin or Dogecoin, however you want to say it, Gary, was up 300% this week. Okay. So, so is, you know, mm. and stock market reached all new time highs this week, right? Um, so we, we had, and, and we have the Federal Reserve who's still saying, hey, we're not worried about inflation. We're not worried about the economy overheating. Uh, we're not worried that the stimulus packages were too big. All right. Um, but there's a, you know, but should you have an abundance of caution? So we'll talk about that. Um, you know, we've got to play the earnings game this week. Right, I remember okay. saying, so the earnings games matters this year. And I'll get into that here in a few minutes. Then you're going to, you know, talk about abundance of caution when you're looking at, you know, the life insurance policies right. that have been gathering dust in the Which sock for drawer. for some people, like we've talked on the show, not enough. The underutilized assets and looking for opportunities. And when you're talking about potential of tax increases or inflation, even though they said, you know, no hyperinflation, but the cost of goods is going up and we still are in a very low interest rate environment, even though the market's doing well this week. You know, it's looking for um, any way you can to give you more net spendable dollars. So, yeah. So why don't you go get us started and then we'll go right into the earnings game. Right. we got a lot to cover today. All right. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We are here every Saturday on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We're a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information about issues that may impact your financial life and hopefully make you aware of choices um, that you have and being proactive about your financial life because it actually will, if you make better choices and inform choices, it usually gives you more spend, net spendable dollars or saves you money and solves potential problems or concerns that you may be worried about. Um, this program is sponsored by the estate planning team. And the estate planning team is an affordable fee-based Ohio registered fiduciary planning firm that's been around Cleveland now more than 35 years, helping people through comprehensive, customized coordinated planning and we also offer hourly planning for people who need a little bit of help maybe you're faced with timing of social security a pension election ira distribution planning roth conversion whatever that may be so if you need a little bit of help or a lot of help um, we may be able to help you and we're traditional financial planners we're not investment advisors um, but we're here to give people that objective unbiased analysis and recommendations based on what's in their best interest and looking for opportunities like underutilized assets and today many people are worried about future taxes the inflation I don't care what the Fed says people are worried about it because um, they can be wrong Carrie, um, Carrie, the infl it's transitory inflation. Right. Remember, it's transitory until so it's not. So they say, right, exactly. So I think being proactive, you know, one of our philosophies is... Abundance of caution? I was going to say, plan for the worst, hope for the best. You know, if you plan for those worst case scenarios, you know how to react, and therefore you're not making an emotional or quick reaction, because oftentimes people do that, and it ends up costing them much more money. And our, uh, the estate planning team, we offer a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation. We're happy to meet with you in person, and if you're not comfortable with that, we can do that by phone. Um, we do either way, and if you'd like to take advantage of a free, no obligation consultation, you can call us. We'll give you a call back on Monday morning, or if you send an email through the website, you will get a reply. We, um, whether you just contact us, have a question, a comment, or want to schedule a free consultation, call 440-239-2090. 
That's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right. And that's Carrie Waddell. My name is Mark Donnelly. And Carrie, yeah, so the Federal Reserve is acting following an abundance of caution, right? In other words, they are not panicking right now. Now, mm-hmm. we did get, you know, CPI this week, right? And mm-hmm. it, again, yeah, it was up 9.1% jump. Or no, excuse me, it was up, um, that was how much gas was up, <laughs> right? The uh, the consumer price mm-hmm. uh, index rose 0.6% from the previous month, and year over year, 2.6%. But see, that's the magic number, 2.6%. In other words, it's over that Fed target of two. But the Federal Reserve said, we're, le- we're going to let it float above two, and they know this is the weird year, right? Because now from March to March, you're capturing the Rona shutdown last year, right? Which everything, and that's why the numbers are going to be out of whack, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in a year by year basis. So, but the, the idea is we don't, you know, they're saying that's transitory. That's not going to last forever. Um, so they're being, so they're not going to, you know, you know, uh, jump the gun too quickly. They're going to be cautious. They're going to want, you know, now, the CPI, there's a lot of problems with it, Carrie. Like I said, gasoline, which was the now up 9.1%, you know, caused most of that increase, right? And, you know, and, and you know, let's see, the report is the clearest indication so far that the signs of mounting inflation, evident in business surveys and producer prices are feeding through the stronger consumer prices. Okay, for all the focus on supply disruptions, pushing goods prices higher, the strongest upward pressure on prices is coming from the services sector. So that was so much surprising, right? Um, gasoline is up 22.5% from a year ago. Mm, I know okay. that. Um, food nudged higher as well. Mm-hmm. You know, year over year, food's up about 3.5%. Mm. The food at home category, a, a tad lower than that, 3.3%. That's me. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm food at home. Right. I don't go well, out to I go grocery rest. shopping. Yeah, I well, I do both, but yeah, food, I uh, would say that's a little low, but um, just based on my grocery bill. The biggest gain, five point four percent, in the category of meats, poultry, and fish. And maybe eggs. that's why, because I have a teenager. Why. Yeah. Um. So you know, you have that, but you know, again, what 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 Fed Chairman Powell was saying and been saying is that they don't care. They don't really look at you know CPI. All right. In other words, actually, the Fed is using robots, right? In, in other words, they're getting away from the antiquated, you know, uh, studies. You know, where before the robots carry, you had to wait around for data, right? Um, so you were you were looking at quarterly data or at best monthly data. But what you know, Fed Chair Paul is saying is today, no, it, it's high frequency data. The robots are giving them real time data. So, so, so they're look like they look at an index of common inflation expectations, you know, made up of many, many things. So it's just not as simple as saying, you know, we're going to do everything based on a month old CPI. I mean, that, that's, you know, antiquated, you know, they're doing, they're, they're much more real time. They've got the better robots and the, and the data is being collected so much quicker and they can, and, and that's what really what they're working on. Um, so, um, but you know, so, but I also said, that we would, you know, play the earnings game. And if the earnings game, if you're not familiar with it, um, it's where we, you know, we we play the game. And I asked Carrie if she thinks the company that, you know, announced earnings during the week, did they beat, meet, or miss their expectations, right? And this is the game where pennies matter, Carrie, right? Right. Um, just ask JCPenney, right? You know, right. filed bankruptcy last year, um, you know, because they're, they miss too many times. Um, so, you know, it's... Now, why am I saying this year is important? Well, because we're, we're, we're in the Rona recession recovery period, right, Carrie? And if you look at the previous recessions, um, you know, it's not unusual that following a recession, you know, when they say the recession is over and that's looking in the rearview mirror, right? Right. Over, but the idea is that, you know, you're going to have positive let's say, returns in the stock market, right? But it's going to be very volatile. Mm-hmm. And and that's what 
scares people, right? This is a volatility. It's a little bit stressful because you don't know is that are we are we having that dead cat bounce? You know where right. we see the market go way up only to be disappointed it goes way back down. Um, or are we going to see a sustained increase? Eventually, that's what happens, right? I right. mean, look at the growth from, you know, the, that we had, the bull market after the 2008 Great Recession. Right. One of the greatest bull runs in history, right? So, you know, in other words, like after the 38% loss, you know, in the S&P in, in 2008, 2009, it was up 23%. Uh, you know, the two, 2010, it was up double digit as well. See, that's that. And, and, right. but, and I'm not saying it wasn't volatile during that time period. It mm-hmm. was very volatile. Right. But what, 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 what the Wall Street was looking at during those times, Carrie, though, is the corporate earnings. Okay. They're saying, are corporate earnings hanging in there? Because if the corporations are doing well, all, you know, everything's going to be okay. Okay. Even though you're, it's going to be jitters in the market. All right. All right. Um, so. So, you know, as we say with the, the earnings game, you know, the big bad banks go first, Gary, right? Okay. Um, so, you know, we've got the uh, big, you know, six uh, big bad banks. Okay. Um, let's see. And so if, you know, the question is, did they, you know, beat, you know, meet or miss earnings? Okay. Right? So if they beat, okay, if they, you know, met, Okay, if they missed. Okay, all right. So, um, let's see. Okay, so how about, you know, J.P. Morgan? I'm going to say they beat. Okay, so, you know, earnings per share came in at $4.50, um, you know, where the street was expecting 3.10. They did a lot better. They did a lot better, okay. And uh, how about revenues? Met. Uh, actually, they beat. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll give them a beat on this. They came in at $33.12 billion, and the estimate was $30.52 billion. So $3 billion above carries wow, that a beat? Oh, that's a beat. Okay. Um, so, you know, what did, uh, you know, Jamie Dimon, what did he say? Well, um, he, you know, even though, you know, it was, uh, you know, Jamie Dimon, he, he put out his letter right before the earnings. Remember, every year he puts, oh, he missed the letter last year in the Rona shutdown. But he, so he doubled up this year. It was a 60-page letter. And he oh, said, geez. you know, he's very optimistic that the pandemic will end with a U.S. economic rebound that could last at least two years. You know, he said, I have little doubt that with the excess savings, the new stimulus savings, huge deficit spending, more QE, a new potential infrastructure bill, a successful vaccine, euphoria around the end of the pandemic, and the U.S. economy will likely bloom. Okay. okay, so he seems pretty bullish, right? Um, so far, year to date, J.P. Morgan shares rose twenty one percent. That's not too bad, is it, Gary? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, compared to the you know the bank index was up twenty five percent. Okay, um, the shares dipped a little bit on the news. Okay, next up is uh, let's go to Citigroup. I'm going to say they beat. All right, so we have a new CEO. We have a lady, Carrie. Okay, remember, so this is the first earnings that Jane Frazier okay. taking over the CEO position, right? Um, and she made some waves. She dropped the bomb, right? So first, let's go over the numbers. Okay. So earnings per share came in at $3.62 a share, exceeding the two sixty estimate. Okay. Solid beat, right? Revenue came in at $19.3 billion, um, where the estimate was $18.8 billion. Pretty, Is that still a beat? It's a beat in my book. A billion, I could call that a billion. A billion, yeah. But what was the bomb she dropped? Um, the bomb that she dropped was that Citigroup is shuttering retail banking operations in 13 countries across Asia and, okay. and Europe. Um, one of the first big strategic moves by, you know, CEO, new Jane Frazier, who took over in February. So they're getting out of the retail banking. Okay. Because guess what, Carrie? There's no money to be made. Right. So yeah, maybe that, uh, that's not a bad move. Um, you know, and maybe some, maybe some geo, geopolitical risks they're maybe thinking. Um, so what Frazier said, as a result of the ongoing refresh of our strategy, we have decided that we are going to double down on wealth. Okay. Um, the move to focus on the remaining markets positions us to capture the strong growth and attractive returns the wealth management business offers. See, are these banks anymore, Carrie, or are these investment advisors? See, mm, they yeah. want to go where the money is. Okay. Um, 
All right. Um, how about uh, next up? How about Goldman Sachs? I would say beat. I would think they all did well, personally. <laughs> they crushed it, Carrie. Okay. Goldman Sachs. Get Earnings per share came in at $18.60. The estimate was $10.22. Dang, they almost doubled it. All right. Um, the, 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 they had, well, they had about 490% growth from the year earlier, Carrie. That's 498% growth, right? Um, revenue, you know, obviously beat, you know, $17.7 billion, where the estimate was $12.6 billion. That's a beat, Gary. Okay. Um, you know, what does, uh, you know, David Solomon, you know, CEO, what did he say? We have been working hard alongside our clients in preparation for a world beyond the pandemic and a more stable economic environment. Um, our businesses remain very well positioned to help our clients reposition for the recovery and the strength is reflected in our record revenues and earnings achieved this quarter. Okay. How about Wells Fargo? Mm, I'd say So Wells met. Fargo, you know, we had a little bit yeah, of, uh, you I'd know. I'd say they met. They I'm some, not going to say they beat. I'm going to say they met. They had some headline issues last year. Right. right. Not good ones either. Right? right. So what are you saying? I'm going to say maybe they met, not beat. You're right on here. Well, let, well, let's say, let's earnings per share, I will give them a beat, okay, because they came in at $1.05 in earnings and the street was looking for 70 cents. Oh, well, then, yeah, that's a good for them. That's a beat. But on the revenues, Carrie, I'll, I'll agree with you. I think it's a meet. Um, the, the revenue came in at $18.06 billion, and the street was looking for $17.5 billion. I don't know. I'd say that's beat, though. Come on. Anything, you know. It's only a whole, couple hundred billion, Carrie. Yeah, well. That's a meat in my category. Jeez. Okay. Um, now what, I'm saying if it's 100 bucks, it's a beat. If that's the... <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, this is the big banks. Come I on. Know, you got to start thinking like, you know, Solomon here. Jeez. Um, you know, uh, what? so what did Charles... Uh, Sharp, right? Sharp, um, CEO of Wells Fargo. Our results for the quarter, which included, see, they had a $1.6 billion pre-tax reduction in the allowance for credit losses. That hurt their, you know, if they didn't have that, they would have certainly been a beat. Um, you know, reflected an improving U.S. economy, continued focus on our strategic priorities and ongoing support for our customers and our communities. Okay, uh, charge offs at historic lows, and we are making changes to improve our operations. <laughs> that was a problem they had last year, and efficiency. But low interest rates and tepid loan demand continued to be a headwind for us in the quarter. And you know, and that's what we got out of the the big banks, the big bad banks. You know, they kept they all talked about a decrease in loan demand. See, Carrie, there is no so so who was borrowing money right in February or the first quarter? No one. I mean, everything was shut down. We had terrible weather. Um, you know, everyone was flushed with cash. I'm talking about corporations and U.S. consumers. Right. The stimulus checks. No, who was everyone paid down their debt? No one was using credit right. cards. They were paying their debt down. Right. So, the, wh- how did how do you think that bank loan business did? Mm. Not well. Right. Um, and the question is: Is that going to continue? All right. Next up, Morgan Stanley. Okay, what, how do you think they, they did, Carrie? I'm going to say they beat. Yeah, earning per share came in at $2.22, easily beating a $1.70 estimate. On the revenue, came in at $15.7 billion, beating um, you know, the estimates of $14.1 billion. Okay, um, who am I missing, Carrie? Oh, Bank of America. Mm, I'm going to say they beat, too. Okay, let me see what Bank of America. All right, um, uh, I'm gonna give you a beat on earnings, but maybe maybe a met on revenues. Okay, okay so um, earnings came in at eighty six cents per share, Ouch. exceeding sixty six cents. Okay. Okay. Um, pennies matter. Um, now on the revenues came in at twenty two point nine billion, and the street was looking for twenty two point one billion. See, that's that's, that's a, a B. No, that's not quite a B. How Karen. if if the criteria is this, and I go above? To me, if it's a dollar or two over, that's I beat the criteria. Well, 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 well I, to me, that's a met. Okay, when you're talking about so who won the who won the big six? 
probably Goldman Sachs, maybe. I don't know. But um, so what? But again, strong, strong. First out of the gate, the big bad banks, very, very well. All of them very bullish. All of them saying, you know, that we're in this Rona recovery. Um, yeah, the loan, no one's borrowing money, but we'll live with that. We'll just sell stocks. Okay. Okay. Um, and we'll get out of the retail business. So now, uh, and we'll continue the earnings game. We're going to watch that this year. So we've got Monster Tech coming up. Then we'll have King Oil. And then we always do the retail apocalypse. So we'll, we'll kind of keep an eye. But one thing about Bank of America, they're maybe not quite as bullish as the others. Carrie. Okay. Okay. Um, so Bank of America put out a piece during earnings week where they gave the five reasons why the S&P 500 could slump for the rest of 2021, despite all this, uh, you know, positive talk. Economic, okay. You know, um, so what are, why are they saying? Well, one, they're talking about the sentiment. You know, Wall Street bullishness is rising to near euphoric levels. As seen by, you know, yeah, the indicator, you know, the, their contrarian sell side indicator, you know. So that's one, you know, in other words, you know, when everyone, you know, when everyone's, when, when you start hearing the, 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 um, the hairdresser talking about what, you know, buying, you know, Dogecoin, you know, then you need to start getting worried, right? Karen? Okay. Um, the valuations. They're saying the current valuation of the S&P 500 indicates paltry returns over the next decade. Okay, um, valuation is almost all that matters over the long term, Bank of America said. With the increase in valuations in April, this framework yields a 10-year price returns of just 2%. Okay, Um, you know, so uh, they're saying a third reason, outsized returns. The S&P 500 posted 12-month returns over 54. (laughs) Does everybody know what the S&P has done over? I mean, if I were to ask you, Carrie, what a rolling 12-month return is in the S&P, would you have said over 50%? No. Does anybody realize that? No, I don't think so. Um, I think we're all focused on the moment or the short term. Yeah. Um, it's the highest 12-month return so much, on records since 1936. But there's so much negative news. I guess we need to... Okay. Um, so, you know, Bank of America data shows that losses have historically occurred for the next 12 months when the S&P 500 makes a two-plus standard deviation move like this. So they're looking at that trend, right? Um, their fourth reason why the S&P 500 is going to slump for the rest of the year, overshoot in fair value. One of you know, Bank of America's fair value model forecasts the S&P 500 to hit 36.35 by year end. This is based on our 2022-2022 cyclical adjusted earnings forecast of $1.73 and our equity risk premium forecast. Uh, blah, 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 blah. They just get into real loud numbers there. So anyways, they're saying they're not very, their outlook is saying it's not too rosy. And then their last or fifth reason, elevated risk appetite. A, current, a contrarian signal that measures the return on investments given the risk an investor takes has dropped to dangerously low levels. Okay, in the most in the two most recent instances, the equity risk premium dropped below 400 basis points. The S&P 500 posted 10 and 20% peak to trough declines. Against this backdrop, the strategists recommend investors buy cyclical stocks, small caps over large caps, and stocks that hinge on strong GDP and expansion in capital expenditures. So, so there's one that maybe is saying, yeah, it, you know, it, it's it's gonna. It might not be as uh, you know rosy as what everybody's thinking, but you know there are you know certainly certain companies are gonna do well, um, it, it, you know, going forward. But be careful. Abundance of caution, Carrie. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about today. In other words, you know, are you just gonna jump on the you know the now you're gonna jump into the S and P five hundred when it's at a new time high. Is that the time to jump in? I mean, like you say, Gary, we don't manage investments for our clients. Right. Um, that's not what we do. And there's a, there's a plenty of investment advisors out that do that. Mm-hmm. But we do, you know, discuss a lot about the idea of, well, you know, how much risk are you taking on to be okay? And are you really trying to time the market? And, you know, if you are, you want to buy low and sell high. Right. <laughs> you know, not necessarily the other way around. Um, but also, um, you know, should you um, be planning a, um, a plan R? You know, we've talked about building a plan R, 
right? And it could be, uh, you know, recession plan, recovery plan, whatever. Right. But just the idea that, you know, are you, what happens if we do get bad, you know, number, or I'm not saying market, the stock market's one thing, Gary, you know, right. an economic down, stock market crash, but there, there's other issues. That, what if the Rona recovery fails? Right. What happens if these vaccines fail? Um, you know, what happens if we have another shutdown, right? Um, what happens if, you know, the transitory inflation no longer is transitory? Right. Okay. Um, you know, what's, what's going to happen there? How about, you know, geopolitical risks? <laughs> um, you know, think you're anything could think that could, you know, mm-hmm. put a global recession. I mean, have you, you know, have you kept up with the? Carrie, I'm just going to read the headlines because oh, that's, that's all I have depressing. time on China. That's depressing. I, I, I'm not even going to read the stories because there's too many, but I'm just going to read the headlines, right? Um, I mean, between Russia and China, the headlines are very depressing. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I'll do Russia next week, but um, let's just do China, okay? Um, China warns Biden's focus on Beijing challenges reflects sinister, deep-seated Cold War mentality. China warns Washington not to boycott the Winter Olympics. Biden is trying to derail Chinese effort to build the world's fastest supercomputer needed for unstoppable missiles. Chinese leaders boast about China's rising power. Okay. Um, China's maritime militia dominating the South China Sea. Taiwan says China flew 25 warplanes into its airspace in the largest breach yet. China warplanes simulated attack on U.S. aircraft carrier, defense analysts say. Don't play with fire. China warns U.S. on Taiwan. China, you know, attacked America as being divided, you know, as the world takes notice. Okay. Um, Is China really about to invade Taiwan? China building destructive space weapons to blind U.S. satellites, intelligence report reveals. China warns it'll use military action to stop Taiwan independence as U.S. officials visit the island. Oh, that, that's a happy way to start someone's Saturday morning. What? <laughs> I was like, geez. <laughs> oh, so, you know, so, well, I mentioned that on this show right. weeks ago. See, one of the things, you know, what the Democrats are doing with their progressive agendas is they're going to spin it by saying that it's really a global thing. It's really the idea that can the U.S. and the democracy, can that, you know, do better than the communist? Well, the progressive agenda really isn't the democracy. It's socialism. The Democrats think it is. Yeah, it's not. Um, You know, clearly. Go back to your history books and look up the definitions of socialism. But the alliances are reforming right now, Carrie. So on the U.S., you've got Japan. South Korea and Western Europe. And matter of fact, Japan is the first foreign dignitary that's going to visit Joe in the okay. White House. That's happening. Oh, that should be interesting. I hope, you know. <laughs> Jeez. But the, and then China, you know, you've got Southeast Asia, Russia, Iran, and you guys, you could throw in North Korea there too. Um, but that's clearly. And so I, I'm all I'm saying is, you know, some people think that the Democrats control the uh, news media. Hmm. Or the left. Does. So, a little bit. So do you think perhaps that these headlines have something to do with getting their agenda out, mm. saying you have to you know, go along with our plan because we're the ones mm. that are going to you know, keep global dominance for the U.S.? Because mm, I think so. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think there's a lot to think about. I've never been a conspiracy theory person until like recently just make you... Last year, just make you pause and think, at least, to consider. But the idea is, you know, could the, you know, Trump's China trade war turn into a Biden's military, you know, confrontation? Mm, I don't know about that. Um, You know, I don't know either. Um, But, you know, again, you know, we'll see. Um, And then you saw all the activity that Biden did against Russia this week. And, you know, we'll see how Russia responds to that. So it's but all I'm saying, Carrie, is there geopolitical risk out there that may say, hey, what happens if, 
you know, things don't go like we're thinking, as rosy as we're thinking for the next few years. And then how does that affect your financial plan and how do you adjust? And because we're fee-based fiduciaries and we build these financial models, we can show people what can happen with the things that they're worried about, whether it be hyperinflation that you're worried about, continuation of low interest rates, you know, a market downturn, you can model that in. And will that affect my retirement date? Will it affect my plans to buy a second home? Will it affect my plans for travel or whatever that may be? Maybe my spouse wants to retire early and I want to keep working. And we can model those what if scenarios in whatever you're worried about. And then, you know, if this happens, how do I adjust? And how do I take advantage of opportunities in, in this complicated tax code? Because being proactive as possible is important now more than ever. And the estate planning team offers a free consultation. And we're doing that by phone or in person to see if you can benefit. Call 440-239-2090. Or you can visit the website at financialfoodforthought.com. All right. You got Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans mm-hmm. for over 35 years. And over those decades, Carrie, we certainly have used an abundance of caution. Right. Right. And that also, you know, could take place, you know, in the year of, or the time period of the Rona. And the idea that, you know, will these vaccines or not? You know, the other data too, is Pfizer came out and said, Carrie and said that we're going to need a booster shot for the Pfizer, right. right? And probably in six months. And right. most likely it'll have to be annual ongoing. So that was kind of shake up news, right? right. Um, we we're all hoping it was a once and done type of thing. Right. Maybe not the case. Um, but they didn't think so even initially. I think that when the first, because I pay attention, was saying that it may only last six months to a year, they weren't sure. Right. But in the year of these crazy viruses, not mm-hmm. that China was re- <laughs> responsible for the <laughs> bat soup. Um, but, but the idea is, are, have you looked at your life insurance policies recently? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is, is that something, is just the, the Rona virus just another reason why, and when I say you, I'm talking about your family circle. You know, the baby boomers are in that sandwich generation. Right. How about your elder parents? Do they still have dusty old life insurance policies? Or those no ones idea. that are wrote when people bring in, they're on that black paper with oh, the white. So, yeah. But those old policies are opportunities. And because we're comprehensive, those are things that we look at. Many people don't even look at their annual statement if they yeah. still get it or pay attention to it. What? They've never looked at how the policies is performing. And that's what you're going to talk about, take care. But, right. you know, again, but I'm also thinking of the elder... You know, remember the the baby boomers' parents are the ones that really did a lot of estate pla- tax planning techniques because they were facing a huge federal estate tax exposure. Right. We remember so, when it was six hundred thousand. Ohio had right. an estate tax, and so those permanent life insurance policies were very, very popular. Right. But now some of those, not all those, you know, those people have died yet, but yet federal state taxes may not be necessary anymore. So what's happening with those policies? I can almost guarantee you, you're, if you've got a, a 90-year-old-plus parent who's got some, they're not looking at those annual right. state, maybe have them. Or the sandwich generation, how about your children? Um, you know, what happened, you know, could one of your younger children you know, catch a virus and, and be fatal. So again, Carrie, so what, what, what do you, you know, you help so a lot of our clients say, with life insurance. You know, we look at that when they come in, that's why we said comprehensive, unless you're coming in for specific, but it's saying, you know, is your life insurance, what you have match your current needs, whether it's income replacement or wealth transfer planning and, or old policies, people got that accumulated cash value. Um, and I'm only going to talk today about permanent ones because these are the ones that we've made a big difference. As opposed uh, to term policies. Right. And a lot of people, when they come and they have old ones, first we start and say, you know, look at the policy. And if it's a permanent, have you ever gotten an in-force illustration? Which is just basically requesting from the company saying, based on your current premium and the current death benefit, how is the policy performing? Right. So you might have originally, Carrie, got an original illustration when right. you bought the policy 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that was a projection, an illustration right. based on what their what the current economic numbers right. they were using. And some of the policies have even the variable have a guaranteed 
meaning worst case scenario, that's the guarantee that the company provides, and then an alternative, a current rate or right. another rate. But we also know that not all permanent policies, depending on how old they were, had a guarantee. Right. It was just, you know, it, it, that the guarantee got stronger after the right. 2000 recession, right? You know, but. But so the but the idea of what you mentioned the enforce that says regardless of what that original illustration was showing I want to redo that now and see where we're going yeah That's based a, on the latest numbers actual right. what's happened over those years and now looking forward based on the uh, now the right. current economic data and the last actually couple of years for people if the policy's lasting for a lifetime, which some of those policies go, by the way, to 105, 110, 120, 21, 21, depends on the company. If we see that it's working, hey, I'm paying the premiums, the policy's still working, we haven't looked at it in a while. Then we come back for some of our clients and say, depending on if they want to keep that in place, let's request an illustration saying, let's keep that death benefit. But what's the minimum premium we can pay so the policy lasts for a lifetime? And in a few cases, and quite a few cases, we've actually had the client pay less premium. So in one case, their annual premium was $9,000 a year. They were able to pay about, um, this is rough, $6,000. That's a big so decrease. So that's 2,200 annual savings. Yeah. And they were in their- That, that would help you buy in the, the eggs, in seven, the, the higher so price in, for eggs. Even in 10 years. Um, another one, um, the annual premium was- um, $8,121, he was able to pay six hundred and six fifty. that's fourteen seventy one a year. Another one was 6000 the premium they could pay was 4900 so all of these were over $1,000 a year that people didn't even realize. Another smaller one, she was paying 4400 for an old, actually this was an irrevocable life insurance for that benefit, she had it probably 15, 20 years she was able to pay 640000 Yeah, I'm going to talk about, if we have time, I'll talk a little bit about the Irrevocable Life Insurance Trust, right. Carrie, but keep going. And then some of the other ones that people have had where they had old permanent policies, the one I'm talking about even that has the funny paper, the real thin paper, the black with the white lettering that people brought in, they don't even remember ever getting a statement. So it's getting, or if they bring a statement in and the cash value is getting really close to that death benefit. And this is a case a couple of years ago, the... Um, the death benefit was 100000 and the cash value was over 60000 And the idea is when you die, your beneficiaries don't get both. Right. And the company's not doesn't care. And and by the way, this couple was still paying an annual premium of $440. So so they had they, they had really lost leverage of the death benefit. Right. And the insurance The cash value was it. about as much as the death benefit. And there are some clients that we come in, guess what? The cash value is the same as the death benefit. That's another story. But they had called... Um, they were needing about $10,000 for some funding. They wanted home improvements done. They had already done their minimum required distribution for the year. So they were thinking, hey, we're just going to run it. We're going to pull the money from the IRA. Which would cause them more cause taxes. Cause them more taxes. Um, and depending on what other things were hitting the tax return could cause more tax issues. Um, but we said, have you looked at these old policies? For them, we requested an enforce illustration. So and, and and see this is coordination of advisors right. we talk about in other words if you don't know what questions you need to be asking your life insurance agent we do right and and then we'll, oh, well let me just say one more thing for our clients a list of questions if you don't have an agent you can always call the a insurance lot of times, home office your agent and, isn't around anymore and your agent is the home office you can call and for them um, what we did was first got an enforce illustration then we said let's get an enforce illustration assuming no premiums. And guess what? The policy was still doing fine beyond, and the cash value was still growing. So they still had a guaranteed death right. benefit. As well, then we called and said, can you do a loan? Hmm. So, and ask, you know, if you did a loan, just confirming that that would be tax-free. Now we're and, doing the Pamela Yellen right. bank on yourself concept. And then it was, what if we assume on an illustration you take the 10000 out loan and never pay it back? And the policy was still okay. Wow. So they were able to get $10,000 they needed tax-free. Tax-free. And they kept the same death benefit. And no more premium. Right. And for other people, this is something we're looking at. We've had cases where it's been an old policy. They're, they come in, they're healthy. They're able to upgrade for a higher death benefit and pay no additional premium. 
So it's always looking at leveraging. Um, I don't have the details on that case, but we've had a few of them where they've had an old policy with a lot of cash value. They were help, healthy, still wanted an income replacement need, really didn't want the policy for cash purposes. Were able to, you know, get 150 percent more death benefit and not pay a dime in future premiums and the policy was guaranteed for a lifetime so it's looking at what you have already and can you make it better i mean that's what we do with our clients whether it's annuities or talking to their investment advisor or whatever concept they have you know trying to say savings is just not just about taxes and, and the net benefit it's looking at assets that you have and can i do something better. I mean, even for some people, their premium savings would help solve a problem. Right. If their long-term care premiums going up, the one case I'm looking at where they were worried about, they had an old life or long-term care policy, great benefits, by the way, home health care, assisted living, right. survivorship policy, and it had gone up, which a lot of those long-term care, yeah. are, and they were worried about, can we afford the premium increase? Well, guess what? The savings on the life insurance more than covered. There you go. The premium increase. So it's looking at all of those. Dovetailing the those different right. things together to get you a better outcome. And for some of those people, not just upgrading, there are hybrids out there. So there's a lot of solutions to problems and ways we can save people money. And that's what we're doing for our clients all the time and looking for those opportunities that they may just not even think about or consider. Right. So, and, and the other thing too is by dusting off those old life insurance policies, don't forget to look at the beneficiary designations. Mm-hmm. So, one of the first due diligence things that we, when a new client mm-hmm. comes in, because we ask them, do you, you know, prime, and then because we, we always mention, what about contingent? Then we get the blank stare because, you know, the, maybe the primary beneficiary is always a spouse, right? You know, whether it be IRAs, you know, 401ks or life insurance, you know, or annuities, you know, and, and sometimes I think, well, I think. My kids are, you know, so, yeah, you can always double check the beneficiary designations as well. You know, abundance of caution. Right. Um, Also, you know, you know, we had mentioned the islet. You had mentioned the islet, the irrevocable life insurance trust, which was a very popular federal state tax uh, exposure reduction method that was used by the baby boomers parents. Right. As you said, Carrie, when the federal state tax exemption was only six hundred thousand dollars a year, a far cry from today's eleven point seven million, right? You know, and 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 you know, the the idea is, um, you know, all those concepts, you, you know, see, we were very active. The, as I say the state planning team. We've been helping families for thirty five years. Mm-hmm. We know very well, you know, when and 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 if if we do see this democratic progressive tax agenda push forward, as I talked about on this show a couple of weeks ago, right? Bernie Sanders has already submitted his bill in the Senate. You know, he calls it for the ninety nine point five percent act. You know, which was um, basically he wants to roll back the federal state tax exemption to three and a half million. Okay. Okay. Um, now couples would still get two of those, you know. Right. Um, but you start talking about, you know, people, you know, do you understand that there's three parties to a life insurance contract? There's the owner, there's the insured, and then there's the beneficiary. Right. They all can be different. They all can be the same. And it matters for estate and gift tax purposes, mm-hmm. right? You know, if you, you know, we start talking to those concepts about, well, if you've got a big life insurance policy, permanent life insurance policy inside your, you're the owner, it's the death benefit. If you're the owner and the insured of a life insurance policy, right. it's the death benefit that is in your estate for federal state tax Which, purposes. Which, by the way, even if you have a term policy, it's still the death benefit. Still the death which people that are working often and have mortgages and kids have some pretty big death benefits. So our islets or the, the idea that irrevocable life insurance trust is where you hold these outside your taxable state, but there's gift tax consequences to get it there. So if you've got an existing policy, you say, oh, I'll just pick it up and move it to an irrevocable life insurance trust. You need to coordinate that with your attorney and your life insurance agent. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things going on there as, and, and the CPA right. to make sure you're not overstepping the gift tax rules. You get into interpreted terminal reserve values, right? And the three-year look back for gifts and contemplation right. of death. If I'm losing you come in for a consultation right that's a good reason to call us and you can call the estate planning team for a free consultation or help with these issues or questions that you might have we're here to help and we've been helping people more than 35 years if you want to do due diligence check out the better business bureau or angie's list call 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com all right a few minutes left carrie now another abundance of caution if we want you know um 
we saw the death of Bernie Madoff this mm-hmm. week, Carrie, right? And of course, everyone listening, I'm sure, knows who Bernie Madoff was. Mm-hmm. Um, 82 years old, uh, um, ending his 150-year prison term. Mm. Okay. Um, of course, he was the king of the Ponzi schemers, right, Gary? Um, they said that probably the losses about $64.8 billion. And though Bernie is dead, it certainly doesn't mean that <laughs> there are current Ponzi schemers alive and kicking. Um, you know, and that's something, too, that, uh, you know, abundance of caution is, you know, you've got to be, cons- you know, <laughs> coordination advisors, you know, I, I still say if any of those people who were burned by a Ponzi scheme were re- really using a coordination advisors, carry, they wouldn't have had the problems that they had. Um, and, you know, it, it's something that, Certainly, we've seen it in this town, Carrie, right? Um, I mean, you remember the Joanne Schneider. Oh, yeah. You know, that was about 2012, and that was about a $60 million fraud. Um, Dang. I don't know if you remember Frank Guadadaria, Carrie. That yeah. was back in 2002. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a Cleveland, you know, that was about $125 million. Um, now, the problem is, Carrie, a lot of times new clients come to us after they've already started have been hurt by right. the Ponzi schemer. Mm-hmm. Then they come in to see us. Right. Um, I yeah, I wish more would come in to see us before that. Right. You mean like have another advisor look at what's going right. on before you jump. And it, they're not done yet. I mean, just recently um, in March, San Diego woman sentenced for nearly a $400 million Ponzi scheme. Okay. How about um, Zach Avery, uh, Avery, an actor. Have you heard about him? Mm-mm. Arrested for allegedly running a two hundred twenty-seven million Hollywood movie Ponzi scheme. Mm. Okay, it, they're they're not ne- they're never gonna not be Ponzi schemers. It, it just keeps happening over and over and over again. All right. Um, now, if, if, if I still contend that those types of you know problems will not arise if you're using a coordinated group of advisors. And by coordinated, I mean coordinated. I'm not saying you've got an attorney, you've got a CPA, you've got an investment advisor, you've got you know Bernie Madoff, and you've got an insurance agent, and you've got a financial planner. What I mean by coordinated are any of them ever talking to one another? Mm. That's you know in in meetings, roundtable meetings, or um, because you think if you had that, maybe somebody would say, "Hmm, ask the right yeah. questions that maybe you didn't know to ask." Yeah, maybe to we, stop you and, from. And, yeah, do you even know what questions you'd be asking? And and I'm, you know, we could go in, in, into many many examples of how this should never happen. But these these people are really good at convincing, and uh, you know, friends and neighbors. That's usually where you hear about it, right? Through friends and neighbors, which you think that's trusting. So these are the things that. You know, you don't want to, you know, a good coordination advisors, abundance of caution, stra- you know, fasten your seatbelt. We may, I don't know, I think we're okay for this year and next year, but what's going to happen come 2023? All right. Call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.